and welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer, everybody. How are you doing? If you like my theme music there, that is a song called Turn Your Head by Ken Vandermark. And it is from his album Utility Hitter. And that is copyrighted 21st Mobile ASCAP. If you're a first-time listener to the podcast, I want to say welcome. Thank you so much for being here. If you are a returning listener and one of my regulars, it's great to have you here as well. And I appreciate both forms of listener, because it means a lot to me that people actually listen to my ramblings and my interviews. (laughs) What a way to market myself, right? Hey, you should listen to my ramblings and uh, nonsense. It's really uh, mediocre garbage. Enjoy. Uh, Today's guest is Donna J. Folks. She is one of the most successful voice actresses out there in the voice actressing world, actoring world. And uh, I'm very excited about this interview. Uh, My friend Paul Turner set this up, and it's a little bit outside, but not really outside of what I normally do. It is a creative person and a fascinatingly uh, interesting uh, art form and something I think a lot of people don't quite fully understand, the ins and outs of the voiceover world. And I discussed that with Donna, and it turns out um, we learned... uh, We both come from Chicago in the greater Chicagoland area, and we both um, worked with a lot of the same people, but we never met, though we figured out after our conversation that we did uh, actually were in some of the same bars. So we probably, I probably said to her at a couple times in my life, uh, excuse me, I'm, i got to get through here. And uh, so we have a re- rich, deep history of uh, intermingling. <laughs> uh, uh, me, uh, full of old style, heading to the bathroom at the Roxy on Fullerton, or perhaps... The Old Town Ale House. I don't know if she ever hung out there, but God knows I spent so much money in that place, I could buy a home. Um, if you are a first-time listener, or if you're, and if you're listening because of Donna, and um, and just uh, so you know, I have 170-something episodes. Feel free to peruse my library and find something else you may like. I've talked to a lot of legendary musicians. Recently, I talked with John Lurie, which was a huge uh, honor. Uh, and uh, Wayne Kramer from the MC5. I don't There's a bunch of some Black Panthers, uh, a lot of authors like Jerry Stahl. There's a lot of... Uh, I have a eclectic array of guests, and uh, you may you may dig it. Uh, a little heads up about this episode. Um, we, uh, we're in quarantine, so we recorded it over cell phones, and so I, I had to edit around some... Um, sound issues. Uh, when we we had this interview scheduled, uh, she was late because she had to do a voiceover thing real quick, and, you know, she's working remote, so she's late. So we, I left out the part where she's talking about why she's late, and then she's right into uh, the voiceover world and what it used to be, and so we, it's, we're just right in it. So there's no me asking a question, it's just her right into the world of voiceover acting, and it's a really great interview. She's uh, a really engaging, charming, and funny person, and I'm very grateful she took the time out to do this. Side note, her husband is uh, Robbie Folks, and he I did an interview with him. That should be out at some point. I have uh, so much stuff going on. I have a bunch of episodes to edit, and probably by the time this episode airs, airs, posts, whatever they call it in podcast land, uh, I'm like a week or two from a baby. So anyway, enjoy this conversation with the great Donna J. Folks. 
there's this new world now where as a voiceover, like I just, I used to just to be, I could be dumb. I mean, there are always like old school voiceover, like madman guys who carried their microphones around or whatever and talked about, you know, what, how they recorded things from home and how they do their Sean Connery voices or whatever. But, um, <laughs> but now you have to be able to record from your house and you have to have great sound and a great microphone. And then you have to like have all these different levels of, of capability to connect with your clients and with recording studios and it, it's nuts. And so I had to upgrade the system yesterday and couldn't, um, and could no longer, it no longer worked. So I just had to do like a online troubleshoot that went for like an hour. So anyway, that's why, um, that's why I'm late and I apologize. Uh, no need to apologize. That's, uh, that, I, that's good. I thought me, I thought I just put you to sleep. Sorry. <laughs> we, have, we have the same humor, so I think we're going to be okay here. Um, <laughs> no, but no, that's, I found that actually fascinating, or maybe we're just as equally as dull, and we so thus we. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, oh we, man, we should definitely be friends and just be boring together. <laughs> um, I like to stare uh. off the, to the distance. Do you? <laughs> I was actually fascinated about that because I was like, the whole time I was thinking about like upgrading. I mean, that's gotta get expensive because you're constantly trying to keep up with technology, and that sounds like a big pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of this. Yeah, I mean, like I have, I have to have subscription to two different um, platforms that allow me to record, and you know, one of them is really expensive and I just pay for it every month and I haven't used it now in in quite some time but I have to have it especially now I mean now we've this in this bizarre quarantine when I get auditions it says do not submit an audition unless you have the cap unless you have these you know one of these two items that allow you to record from home and if you don't don't submit your audition because people just aren't studios are closed or they don't want you going to a studio. And so everyone's working from home right now. And uh, I was just on the phone like, with a guy who developed this software. He, <laughs> like, it started in Chicago. And so I sent in, like, I need help. And then the owner of the company was like, hey, Donna. <laughs> he just called me and talked me through it. But um, because he invented this, they invented this, it's called Source Connect. They invented it like 20 years ago. And it's now the Thing that every single voiceover in the world is using because, and there are so many of them, so many fucking voiceovers out there. Yeah. Is that, I can't, is, I'm sorry. It's a nightmare. Is that like a software you download or is it like out there in the internet and you pay like a monthly? Cause, um, no, it's something, it's, some, yeah, it's something that you have to download and then, um, yeah, you have to download it and have a license for it. Um, but now there's a newest, a newer version, which I got where you can, 
if your internet or if your firewall or whatever is interfering with the connection you have on the internet to to the client, to the studio, you can use their own streaming platform um, that they've their own server or whatever. I don't know all the right words, but... Um, uh, <laughs> Things- so yeah, I, mean, I was like, I'm talking to this guy. I was like, you must hate me. You, it's Sunday, and you're at home quarantined with your kids, and you have to call a dumb girl and talk about computers. Like it, you must hate me. And he was like, no, oh, I'm. I mean, so at this <laughs> and so point, I had to do that thing where you screen share. Oh yeah. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say. At this point, he might be just begging to talk to anybody but his wife and children. <laughs> <laughs> totally we broke the quarantine we robbie's it was robbie's birthday and i had like a zoom birth i had like a zoom birthday where everyone logged in and said hi to him which he hated and then i had a good friend of his i opened it to a bunch of people i was like who's willing to come over to our house and sit in the backyard and have cake and only two people were willing to do it and then we ended up just bringing him in the house and playing charades and I know we violated every law, but it felt so good. I've never had a more fun game of charades. <laughs> I, <laughs> although, although this guy's wife hate, got super mad at us because we play to win, and we and I think the charades is way more fun if you're trying to act out a title that you've never heard of before, no one's ever heard of before. So it's just about acting out the words. And so, you know, we go, we separated and like Robbie's all about coming up with really difficult titles. And he's like, you know, pick some Mary Pickford movie and like that no one's ever heard of. And then we get back into this other couple and we start doing their, their suggestions. And it was like, Mrs. Doubtfire, you know, the breakfast club or whatever. Like, it's so easy to guess. And so once they started to play with us and saw how hard our suggestions were, they made us stop the game and they rewrote their suggestions to make them more difficult for us. Um, and it was, just, it was a very contentious game. <laughs> These people sound like they don't know how to, like they're not competitive. It, they're not American and they deserve yeah. to lose. <laughs> exactly. That. Charades isn't something to be taken lightly. No, I mean if if they're gonna you know play like children, then they deserve to be shamed like children. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Talking of children, why are you why do you keep having them? Yeah. And everybody what? knows, do not What's fuck. Going on over there? Don't fuck with the folks when it comes to charades. <laughs> That's been that is legendary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it truly is. Uh, it really is. It's it's what you do is fascinating as the voiceover thing because um, I think that it's not. I I don't think the regular people out there in the world think about uh, the voices they hear on the television often. But anybody who works in the industry is like, I want that fucking gig and I want it bad. Um, did you? Yeah, although, but now I think that's not true anymore. That used to be the case. Like, when I started doing it, my agent sent me, she's like, do you want to go on this audition? I was like, so what? What am I doing? Like, I had no idea what it was. I didn't know what she was talking about. But now everybody wants to do voiceover, and everybody thinks they can do voiceover, and everyone's because so many celebrities 
like, you know, when you saw Bambi, you weren't like, oh, great, I love the woman who's doing the voice of, you know, the squirrel. Like, no one... No one knew who anybody was, and they didn't know it was the same 10 people doing every voice on every cartoon. Like, you just weren't aware of it. And now, this past week, I've had three different people say, hey, my friend really wants to get a voiceover. Can you give him advice? I was like, yeah, don't. Don't do it. It's not right now. Not right now where you have to be an engineer as well. Um but, oh, my God, my favorite story, even people in the business, my favorite story is um, I, was, I was working with this woman who, um, for years, in Chicago, a producer, and mostly what I've done is commercials. But so, um, and she worked with her, like, on an account where I saw her twice a week or, you know, for, for years, just so often. And one day, she was like, hey, I, I've got a phone number. I gave someone your number. I really want you to talk to him about voiceover. He's such a great voice. I hope you don't mind. And I was like, no, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to help more people take work from me. Let me, let me give him a call. <laughs> and, um, and she was like, she goes, it's so amazing. Like I met him at the airport and, and I said, wait a minute, you, like you were waiting for a plane talking to someone and his voice was so amazing that you told him he should get in the voiceover. And she goes, he's TSA. And she talked to someone for, for five seconds and was like, oh my God, you could do that. You could do that thing that Donna's devoted her whole life to and practices that every day. Like it's this idea that if you, if you have a great voice, and and that's true for some people. Some people just have a voice, and it's it's the voice. It's Alec Baldwin or whatever, or Morgan Freeman. Like there's certain people, um, you know, whatever Kathleen Turner. Like you hear that voice, and you know it's them, and it's deep and cool. And um, but mostly, what you have to do is is be able to do a bunch of different things, and maybe not a bunch of different nutty voices. That's the other thing. This one guy sent me a demo. He was like, "Listen to my demo," and he was like. It's like some improv guy from Chicago, this really funny young guy is like 24 or whatever. And he sent me a demo and one of the voices on it was like an old time miner, like a crazy old Southern prospector or whatever. I was like, when was the last time you heard a prospector commercial? What are you, what are you doing? Is it, do you ever, whenever you hear Bud Light radio commercial, is it an old timey prop? No, it's a cool young hip improv guy. Just be that. Like, what are you doing? Like, you spent $5,000 to make a voiceover demo, and he's like, a British inspector. Like, I was like, it's not a game of clue. Just, <laughs> no. I mean, you listen to commercials. Listen to what they sound like. And it's different if you, like, want to do animation or if you want to do games. or Then, yeah, they're looking for different kinds of voices. But... But still, like, Call of Duty doesn't have an old-timey prospector on it, for sure. <laughs> but everyone has this idea that, like, you have to be able to be, you know, you have to have a million voices, and you have to be able to, you know, do it all or whatever. But it's, it's, it's also, it's about, uh, you know, you have to do so many other things. Um, so anyway, I don't, that's, I'm just rambling. No, no, no. Uh, what are those other things that people, because I do think you're exactly right. And But what are the things that people don't understand about it? Because it's a far more complex situation than I think uh, the regular dummies are aware of. Right, 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 right. 
Well, and I, it's because you know you see those videos where they show you like the making of the Lion King or whatever, and it's you know. Beyonce's got all her makeup off and she's just talking into the microphone and being herself. And that's like, you know, that's one thing. Like if you're doing animation, which I really haven't done much of, so I can't do a lot of bragging, but, um, the little I've done, mostly I've just used my, like Ben myself. I haven't, you know, you, you're, it's more like acting than any other part of voiceover. But, um, but mostly, like, the thing that I've done, I've done my whole life is commercials. I've just spent 20 years doing commercials. And it's, all, it's, it's, it's about so many things. It's about, you know, it's not just about the quality of your voice or the tone of your voice, which you can change depending on your session, but it's about timing. It's about understanding the microphone, the pro, you know, how close you are to the microphone, um, whether or not you're wearing headphones, um, uh, I don't know. I feel like timing is a, the biggest, the biggest part of it. Like you have a, you know, you have a, a certain amount of time to say all the words you've got. It's a 30 second commercial. It's a 15 second commercial. Maybe it's a 60 second commercial. And that's even true on the internet. It seems they kind of stick to, they stick to those timings. It's rare that you're just doing like, they're like, Oh, you know, no one says it could be anywhere between 20 and 30 seconds. Like it's never that it's either, it's one of those amounts of time. And so um, one time I was, I was, for a while I was the voice of Olive Garden selling, you know, pasta and cheese and um, breadsticks. And um, the client had one of the clients from Olive Garden wanted me to sound like she had an idea of how the commercial needs, needed sound. So she recorded her voice at home into her computer and, you know, she was like, hey, this is Rebecca from marketing or whatever. I'm just going to take a shot at this. You know, she's like, you know, this Thursday, what, not this Thursday, this week, come in for unlimited pasta, whatever. She did this whole read in the voice. And she was, she was like, pay attention, Donna, to the, to the words I mix, you know, hitting and what is important. So she, she, turned in that she gave them this audio file that the client then said, okay, now you need to listen to this and try to sound like Rebecca, whatever her name was. And it was like 45 seconds long. And, and I said, well, did anybody, did anybody pull up the reins on Rebecca? Did anyone say, hold on a second. She can't sound like this. We don't have a 45 second commercial. Like but everyone was afraid. They were like, no, just try to be much, as much like her as possible. Um, but like this, I, you know, You'll hear a client will say, "Okay, just slow it down. So, you know, go ahead, just take your time with it. It's really thoughtful. Just you want it to be full of space and just really. And but it's it's a 15 second commercial. So how do you sound like you're talking slow while you're talking really really fast? Like that is a bizarre skill. Or when someone says, um, you know, can you shave like six tenths of a second off this, like or some ridiculous number." that you have to be able to do. So there like that's where you get in the that's where you get into the place where you have to practice really hard and you have to have this skill. You have to have this internal timer in your head and you have to have and you have to be able to take direction when like when people say, you know, like you're talking to a friend, which is the number one direction, which no one has ever said, you know, 
to their friend, hey, how would you like unlimited meatballs this week <laughs> at Olive Garden? Like no one's ever, ever said, um, you know, whatever. You're, you know, you can't be 50% more than the leading national tampon. Like no one's ever had that conversation. So what does it mean when the client tells you to sound like you're talking to a friend or sound like you're smiling or um, sound um, tough. I always get that too. So it's really tough, you know, all these weird, um, I this really great, um, great, uh, writer, um, at Saatchi and Saatchi in New York. And he was so much fun. And, and, um, he would go, okay. Um, there you go. This is JC Penny. It's a 32nd, you know, whatever Christmas commercial is like, so you're wearing a Christmas sweater and it's not the normal Christmas sweater. This one actually has bells on it. So when you, when you go to reach for more eggnog, like he had this long description of, of what my voiceover character was. And it was so much fun that it was so bizarre. You know, at one time he was like, you're on a Vespa. Like he would just come up with these <laughs> bizarre directions for me, which were so fun and challenging. But most often, you know, they're like women between, you know, old women between 30 and 40 or whatever. Like you get these really insulting uh, uh, direction. Um, <laughs> yep. uh, which is sad. That's what I was going to ask because uh, I've done commercials as well. And sometimes you just, you get direction and you're just like, what the fuck are you talking about? And you come from theater where you've probably yeah. also worked with, you've worked with some great directors as have I. And so when yeah. you get that, you're yeah. just, how do you, what are some of the, some of the terrible direction you got? And how do you, how do you handle that kind of situation? Oh, well, it's interesting because I've gotten, um, well, yeah, I've, it's been, it's a huge range of, of bad direction. Um, my, the, I've, one of my worst sessions, which ended up to be as being an account that I did for a long time. And there were lots of, um, I did lots of commercials for this beer company and, um, they were all for the radio and, um, this, the, the guys were like, okay, just, can you sound sluttier? Could you just like everything was just, they were like, that was the direction was, can you sound sluttier? And, and the copy was seriously like, you've been working hard. You deserve a reward. Like it was, it was just so close to phone sex and it was so embarrassing to do. And I, you know, like I, I, and I, I got it. I mean, I my best, you know, I've tried to be as sexy as I could. And, um, I was, I, I had trouble looking at the clients when I walked out of the booth. Like I felt like, like a sex worker. I, 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 I couldn't, I felt like I just had sex with everybody there for free. Um, so not a sex worker. Uh, um, and so, yeah, it was terrible. Um, and my, I mean, it was a, it was a while back, but my stepson at the time i think he was in high school or something and he was like i heard your commercial i was so embarrassed i can't believe you did that <laughs> it's not like you <laughs> like that it's not like you oh, tagged no. the commercial with an and i'm john's mother-in-law her stepmother <laughs> make sure to hassle him exactly. at school i'm john's stepmother right i know i was like yeah your friends don't know it's me um, but then, yeah, I was trying to think of like the other, um, well, this is not bad direction, but it reminded me when I was telling you that story of, um, 
I did another thing more recently as I become more elderly. And um, I had this other thing that was another kind of a sexy read. And um, I do a lot of these like really low sort of gravelly, you know, things. And um, I was at the session. I was in the recording studio sitting there waiting and the clients walked in. And this one guy was like, oh, are you, are you the voiceover? And he was, I said, yeah, he goes, oh, after I heard your voice, I was really excited to meet you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> this is probably not. I said, I've been disappointing guys like you for years. Don't worry about it. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> that, it, I'm all over it. That makes me think because you said as you get elderly, and I was like, does ageism? I, I have no idea how old you are, but I'm just, and I, I'm not asking. But I'm oh just, well, that's so funny. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting because so that's the bizarre thing. Like you get you get these. Um, they ask for an age, but so obviously you don't have to be 30 to read a commercial for, to be uh, as a 30 year old voice. Plus it's a voice. So what they're aiming for a market, they're looking for their, you know, they're targeting a group of women to attack. And so, yeah, it doesn't really matter how old you are, but, um, if they know you're older, like in a city like Chicago, where after a while, like everybody knows everybody, everybody knows all that, you know, all the talent, you know, there's, I mean, there's a lot of turnover, but you're known if you're working in the industry. And so sometimes, yeah, it get to a point where, um, uh, they might say, oh, well, we're not going to call Donna in because we know she's too old for this and then come back and book me. And so as long as you aren't drinking excessively and smoking a lot, you know, you can have that longevity to your career because if you're taking care of your voice, I mean, I feel like I can't really sound like I'm in my 20s just because I don't really know what 20-year-olds sound like. Like, I don't get there the way that they talk. Like, I guess I could hang out with them or watch YouTube or whatever, but, um, or influencers, I guess. But, um, I, I feel like I don't understand the cadence and the style or the, the way they talk. I, and I also don't think that I have a pure, you know, I don't think I can recreate the pure sound of a 20 year old vocal cords, but, um, and then the same, it's the same thing happens too for, you know, it, it just doesn't even make, make sense. Like if they want someone who's 70, they're going to, or 80, they want someone who sounds older, they're going to hire someone who's older because, oh, no, cause that's why I told that prospector guy. I was like, not only are you not a prospector, but you're not 80. Like you can't you do either. Like maybe you can get the accent down, but you definitely sound like a young person trying to sound old. They're just going to hire an old person. There's no point in trying to do that unless it's for something comedic or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it's a few, I was letting my, I was, I was so inspired by the Francis McDormand tough, cool hipness. And I was like, I'm going to let my hair go gray. And, and after a few months, my agent was like, die that now. Like, what are you doing? You don't to walk in a room because it's such a young industry. Like everyone's, young um except for the few older people that they are allowing to to 
stay working there and keep paying. But mostly, most ad agencies are like, there's so much turnover because there's so many people that want to get into the business and people are getting older, like you age out because you're just making too much money. So, but, but you walk into a room and you're walking into a room of like a bunch of 20 year olds. If they, if you look like their grandmother, you just, you, they're going to assume that you're too old or you won't get it. Or I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm misspeaking, misspeaking if that's a word, but, um, I don't know. That's my take on it is that you, you need to, you need to be youthful. You need to appear youthful and, uh, like I took improv classes, even though it was the thing I feared the most in the world. Um, because my agent in LA said, you know, I take some improv classes because if you want to try to do animation, they always want you to improvise and they want to see on your resume or they want to know that you have improv experience. And God bless patient with me, but, um, I, I was terrible at it, <laughs> but um, the thing I loved about it was like being around a bunch of young people. It was so fun, and by young, I mean like mostly everybody in, was in their twenties. Everyone, every class had like a rose. It was either a little creepy or didn't get it, didn't belong. Tried not to be that person, um, but uh, I was. Sometimes I was for sure, for sure. Um, but, but yeah, it was fun to be around young people, younger people, and just feel um, inspired by them. Because that's the other thing. Everybody who's over, over 40 complains about this new generation and how bad they are, like what bad people they are. They have a bad work ethic or their music is bad. And like, I never want to be like that. I never want to be so out of it that I think, I only think that like, Tears for Fears is the best band because that was my high school band or whatever. You know what I mean? Okay, that's foolish. And maybe if Bob Dylan was my high school band or whatever, it'd be different or the Rolling Stones. But even so, it's like there's still good music. There's still all these great things, all these great things happening. I don't know. I really got off topic, but I don't want to be. I think that's helpful. I mean, it's definitely helpful in this in in I guess every industry, right? That you're that you're just always open to new things and that you have an appreciation for, for new, for youth and for new things and for new ideas. I mean, that's how we should just be as, as human beings. It's, I think Lenny Bruce, yeah, had exactly. some, Lenny Bruce had some kind of thing where he's like, once you start saying like these kids today, you're, he said, your career is done. He's like, <laughs> then you're out of touch. It's and, over. And it's like, yeah. Whether people like it or not, the, usually the ideas that help start changing society come from youth. I mean, it's like <clears throat> you talk to yeah. people in their twenties, and they're far more accepting than you know they they, all, they have trans friends, they have you know gay oh, yeah. and bi. So it's like it's nothing to them. They're just like, yeah, that's how people are. <laughs> it's where it's like you talk to right. people in their fifties, and they're like, I don't know, man, that's kind of weird. You don't get to pick your sex. Like it's like yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Like that happens in the business all the time where um, everyone, you know, every, each generation falls in love with the contract that they're working under or the way they get paid or the way that they work. And there's this reluctance to change, which is the thing that gets the Screen Actors Guild in trouble. You know, like we have to move along and change the way we work, the way we get paid, the way we are seen in the business 
along with the rest of the world. And there's, you know, been this, you know, whatever. It's 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 too boring to talk about. But um, actually, I was going to ask cause, yeah. did because uh, new media started fucking a lot of people. Uh, I guess that's what they call it. Totally, right? it totally fucks every. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and, all over because it used to be. You know, yeah, you used to get paid based on on eyeballs. You know, you got you used to get paid if if you were going to be on a commercial that was going to be airing on Friends that every single person in the country was watching. You got paid more than if you were, you know, <clears throat> on whatever the the learning channel or whatever that no one was watching, but, um, that's no one's watching the same thing anymore. And everyone's fast forwarding to commercials and, um, you know, it's completely different. I want to take this moment right now to thank you for listening to the podcast. And if you like what you're hearing and you want to hear more, you can become a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash Matt Dwyer. You'll find bonus episodes, commentary on every episode, blogs, videos, pictures. Just become a subscriber. It's a great way to help me keep the show going. If you can't be a subscriber to Patreon and you want to help the show, do me a favor and tell some friends about the show. Word of mouth is one of the best ways to support the show. Or you can go to iTunes, rate the show, give it five stars, write a review, and I'll read it on the uh, podcast. And subscribe. That helps me with the old uh, podcasty numbers. And if you like my podcast, Listen to Hunk with Mike Bridenstine or Kilgallen's Pub with Joe Kilgallen. Also, don't forget to go to themattdwyer.com. That's a jumping off point for all things conversations with Matt Dwyer. You can find merch on there, links you to my Patreon and social media. Why don't you buy a t-shirt? What the heck? Why not? Now, back to the interview. When you were saying like, oh, everybody wants to do voiceover now, I used to feel like it because I used to do stand-up comedy and I used to think like, oh, fuck, everybody wants to do it now and it's like a flooded field. But then I would go to a show and I'd be like, oh, these people are fucking terrible. Like most of these people don't know what they're doing. Right. Does that, right. Yeah, I mean, is it... So that's the thing. That's the, that's the, that's the place where... Because I've... I've, what I do now is like when people ask me for help, I have a, an email. I, I talk to them on the phone or whatever, but I have an email that I send out that has like, okay, you need to do these things. You need to get this kind of, you know, you have, you need to have a mic and you need to have this and you need to practice and you need to go to this website and watch these commercials. And then you need to, you know, here's all the things you need to do. And if in one month from now, if you're doing them, call me back and I'll help you even more. But you, if you don't want to work at it, then then don't bother because it's it's not as easy as you know um, sitting at home and having checks come into you. Um, and you know, I've, I've this one woman. I can't just talking about. How I've um, I get out every day at three. I've got the afternoon free. I was like, when do you think you're going to work? You're going to be working. They're, they're going to keep this. They're only going to have the studio available for you at four o'clock because you're, everyone's going to make time for you at four o'clock once you're done working. Like, no, you ha- you can't really have another job if you want to do it full time because you will be available at any minute to go in and record for somebody if you book a job. And that's if you book a job. Like, um, I was listening to this interview on... Um, Oh, um, the NPR or the 
public radio station here about with this woman who designs posters for films. And I think she said something like, yeah, I look back and over the past so and so, so many years, I've designed 8,000 posters. And I can't remember how many she said, like, she's great. Her work's really great. But, um, you know, like that's like, I look at the number of scripts that I have every day um, or every week at the end of the week that I've auditioned. And it could be anywhere from, you know, six scripts to like 30 scripts. It could be, it could be a lot of scripts and I'm not, I'm booking, you know, one every week or maybe one every two, two every month or whatever it is. Like it's, it's, it's a lot of putting yourself out there and being rejected over and over and over again. And for me, it's easier than on camera stuff. Like I hate going to on camera auditions. I'm so bad at it. And, um, I never, I've like, I've booked like series. I've done maybe like three TV shows in my entire career. I'm so bad at it. Um, and it, and I feel like I put my heart into it. And it's, it's like, there's so much rejection. I can't stand it. Um, but for voiceover, it's like, I've just developed this, you know, this armor and I just know that I had to put my head down and just keep doing good auditions, good auditions and then good stuff happens. If you just keep doing good work. Do you still have moments? I mean, because you obviously, if you're doing this many auditions, do you still have uh, uh, auditions you have where you're like, oh man, I really hope I get this. And then you're let down or at this point, are you just Zen about Yeah, it? totally. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where you, yeah, because you put a bunch of work into it and you listen and you, think, you, know, you send it to your friend and they like it or whatever. Your agent says this is great. And yeah, you don't book it. Um, always. Um, yeah, it happens. No, I'm getting kind of sad. No, I, it happens a lot. You know, it happens a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, it happens a lot. And then there's things where you just, you have no idea. Like I, the audition, so I, I, the, my booked my first animated film and it was it's Sonic the Hedgehog, which is so exciting to me. Um, and so I didn't know what I was auditioning for because it was like a secret audition. So it, and they changed like the genders and the scripts and stuff. And so um, I just and I just read it and I and I didn't know what it was, but I put my heart into it and I and and I booked. It. And if I'd known I was auditioning for Sonic the Hedgehog movie, I might have been more, I might have been a little more nervous than I was. Um, but I was like, all right, you know, and there's, there's been some really cool auditions that have come through with for really interesting people. And yeah, you can't help it. You get really excited because you want to, you want to get it so badly, but you just, you just have to know that, um, as long as you're doing good work that you're on the radar. Cause actually, so I, I, the Sonic the Hedgehog thing, they, I was their second choice. Um, they cast someone else and then it didn't work out. And then they brought me in and that happened two other times last year. Um, like I'm, so I'm in, I'm, I'm, uncredited in Charlie's Angels, the new Charlie's Angels that just came out as Charlie, which to me is so exciting because I spent all of my lunchtime recess hours playing Charlie's Angels. I was always Sabrina. It was so, we played Charlie's Angels every day. And if I had known that I was going to grow up to be Charlie, maybe things would have been different for me. Um, but that said, I didn't, I wasn't credited or anything because it's just a couple lines and they, they, 
I don't know how they figured it out that it wasn't worth a credit, but it wasn't. Um, but that was another thing. Like, I didn't know what I was auditioning for. Um, and for, I know I sound like a, a goofy, like I sound probably like a noob, as my kids would say, but I, I'm excited to be in a movie. It seems really fun to me. I'm so proud and excited by it. Um, doing these commercials my whole life. And so it feels really thrilling to like be uh, in a movie or an animated show or something, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's everybody wants to be in a movie who it's, it's like the ultimate end, right? Yeah. I think, I think it's very exciting. I mean, I, I can't wait for the day where I'm like, Oh, not another movie. But yeah, right now I'm still excited. (laughs) <laughs> what sort of things do you do to keep uh, I, Like you said You have to practice every day What does that entail Is it just reading copy or, or? Well for me it's, Yeah at this point it's just auditioning I mean I just I practice by doing auditions um, When my kids were little I read to them every night And I read like we read all the Harry Potter books We read all the series of unfortunate events And I did all the voices um, and practiced, I mean, even though, I mean, I wasn't like using my kids necessarily, but, um, I took advantage of that time of just practice of just reading aloud and being like, I, it was the most professional bedtime story imaginable. Um, and, and, and so I kind of, you know, it's like to use those opportunities as practice, but, um, for someone starting out who doesn't have any experience, yeah, you just have to, there's like this website called iSpot.tv. Um, it's like an industry site where you can go, like you could put Quaker in and look up Quaker and then all the different Quaker commercials will come up a limited number unless you have a membership. And so you could just go in and say, okay, I'm, so I'm a, I'm a guy, I'm 26. I've got a rugged, cool voice. Um, I bet I could do a Coors commercial. And so you could just go and look up Coors and then listen to the commercial and type out all the words and practicing it into your microphone and practice, read along with the guy who did it and see what he did with his voice. And if you're doing the same thing or how quickly he's talking and like, just to just practice those skills that you can only get by doing it. And I totally lucked out because early in my career, I got this huge account and I ended up, I was their exclusive voice and I was working almost every day because I did all their radio commercials and all their TV commercials and all their in-store announcements and then their auto service commercials and whatever it was. And so I learned, I got really good at it by just having to be good. Like it was a necessity that I was good. And so I just worked every day. Um, and that's, and that's the key. And the problem too, like I got a call yesterday from this woman who said, so I did this workshop over the phone and they said, I'm great. And for $3,000, they're going to make me a demo. And I was like, what did you, you know, it's like draw tippy. I, I can't know. That's no, don't you, you can't do that. That's not going to get you anywhere. They didn't, that's terrible. And, and you can, I've Google, I've had friends come to me with those kinds of websites or whatever. And I've looked up the person who's the teacher and they have no, their demo is terrible. They've never done a real job. Like, you know, there are people who think that they, you know, they see it as an opportunity to make money because everybody is so desperate to be 
I don't know. I, I, Robbie and I talk about this all the time and I have this theory that, you know, like no one gets this way about, about carpenters or like, no one's like, you know, I really think I could be a carpenter. And I, I don't know. I just, I have this affinity for wood. And everyone tells me that I look great when I'm sitting in chairs. Like no one has ever, but, but everyone in, and like back in high school, I used to make all those napkin holders. Like, Everybody in high school, not everybody, but a lot of people in high school, you were in the choir or you played an instrument or you hung out with someone who did or you were in a play once. And there's this idea that you could kind of, you're good at it because you used to do it or you could recapture that feeling. And so there are so many people who are driven by passion to want to get into these to the music industry or, you know, to be an actor. And, and that's definitely part of it is feeling like you're led there and it's something that you're good at. And, um, but that's not enough. And, and that's where a lot of people hit the wall. Like I, I've gone to auditions at my agent's office and they've said, they've sent out emails like, don't get in the booth to to audition unless you read the script. That's their scolding talent about that. I'm like, Ooh, of course you have to read the script. You have to be prepared before you go in, but there's so many people who just like, who don't want to be prepared and don't want to be bothered or people complaining that they're, you know, their parking meters up and they're going to get a ticket. I'm like, yeah, I know, but you're making $300. So, you know, if you, if you have to pay a $25 or $50 ticket or whatever, you know, you're going to have to get over it and next time park in a garage or whatever it is. Like, if, I guess it's anything you get, you get spoiled or you get jaded and you feel like your problem is so big. And so you lose perspective, you know? Yeah. I also, um, I question like those kind of people cause I've definitely been around them. I, I, a lot of people don't mm-hmm. go th- get proper training or go through theater and we're like that shit right. from very early on is pounded in your head of like, I could, be on time. Like I've never been late to fucking anything because I was, that was beating my head in my, like I'm, I drive people crazy, but right. I'm, like, I'm like, and what's David Mamet say? If you're late, you're in denial, which I was, I was like, also that's a pretty, Wait, I miss what you said. You broke up. What did you say? Oh, David Mamet said, if you're late, you're in denial, which I always, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I've always taken that as like, you don't want the job. Mm-hmm. You you're in denial about who what you're doing or what you should be doing. Uh, and then he turned into a right wing. Yeah, leader. or you're in denial about. Yeah, or you're in denial about how important you are. That you know this idea that you could because like I've actually been complimented recently at a recording studio. This guy was like, "Oh, I'm glad I'm working for you today. You're always on time." <laughs> I was like, "Is the bar that low?" Like. <laughs> That's how I'm impressing you. You're impressed by my punctuality. He was like, yeah. He goes, I can't be late to work. I'll get in trouble. Like, why do, well, how come you guys can be late? And you're Don LaFontaine and you have so many, may he rest in peace, and you have so many sessions that your agent has booked you back to back and your car is waiting outside for you and you, if, and you have to go to one and they're lucky to get you, then maybe everyone's going to be like, we got to wait. He's coming from Paramount Pictures. We just got to calm down and wait. We're lucky to have him. But that's usually not the case. Yeah. 
It's just a respect to other people too. It's a, I was told when I first moved to LA by someone who's very, yeah. who's pretty successful. Uh, they were like, never be on time. And I was like, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> it's like, and, oh, and, oh, do they mean never be, they mean always be early? No, always be late. Like be late. And it's like, a, oh. it's a status thing. <laughs> I'll say who it was. Ew. I don't care. I'll say who it was. It was Jeff Garland. <laughs> <laughs> He's not going to listen to this. Uh, and if he does, then oopsie daisy. Oh my God. That's hilarious. Um, wow. All right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, maybe that's just that's part of the stick. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's, I don't know. Maybe there, I mean, maybe that's too, I mean, I have to say there's definitely a work ethic in Chicago that is different than LA. Like people in LA accept the fact that you're late for things all the time or it's just understood or it must happen so much because I'm, I'm, or even like I was doing this thing for CBS, these promos where, you know, it's, I just say this week on big brother, Tune in Saturday, whatever. Tune in at six. Like it's two sentences. Um, so I drive to CBS. I park in the parking lot. I go in. I check in with security. I sit down on the couch. Then they call me in. I go in and I record and then I leave. And when I'm in the recording session, the the producer's like, "Wow, I think you are you sure you don't mind coming in for this?" Like, what do you mean? And she goes, "Well, a lot of you know you don't want to record from home or." I said, no, I want to be here in the room with you guys and meet you. And I want to see the film and I want to see what I'm recording to. And I want to see how it looks and what the music is. And she's like, oh, great. No, we like that. But so it's accepted. There's thanking me for coming to work. Yeah. Like, it's what, what other job? <clears throat> just, pardon me. What other job? Just people are like, wow, thanks a lot for picking up the garbage. We really appreciate it. You do it every week. We can't believe it. Like <laughs> what? It's why wouldn't I go to work? But um, there's this this thing of like, well, she goes, well, the traffic's so bad here. I'm like, well, you know, the traffic's bad in Chicago too. But you got to be on time. Like in Chicago, you got to be there and you got to be on time. And I was late for a session in LA recently and four people in Chicago, and they had called my agent within minutes to say that I was late, as I brag about never being late. And then the next time I worked with them, I was like half an hour early, and they called my agent to double check I was on my way. Like, it was so, I had disappointed them so deeply. And, you know, I mean, it will never happen again. But, um, but like, the expectations were so high. Um, and I feel like the expectations here are really low in, in California. Do you, do you feel there is a, uh, that's not how I wanted to start that sentence, but the work ethic that you learn in Chicago, cause I too am a Chicago mm-hmm. kid and you, it mm-hmm. just seems like any time I've worked with Chicago and you can tell I've had people on the other side be like, yeah, you fucking Chicago and you work hard. And it's like, and I'm like, yeah, who, yeah. but w- what do you equate that to? that the Chicago work ethic? You know, that's a great question. I mean, I don't know. I think maybe, I mean, I don't know. I'm just wondering about that. Is it the, the history, like the Midwestern kind of working class background, um, you know, like that sort of legacy of, People, I mean, because for the longest time, at least in um, 
in, in voiceover too. It was really deeply linked to the advertising industry. So a company like Kraft is based in Chicago and then they hired Leo Burnett because Leo Burnett was down the street from them. And then at Leo Burnett, Tony the Tiger would come walking down the street because he was at the agency. Like everybody worked together in the same city, which is the way it was for all voiceover and, you know, work in, in California, Betty Rubble lived in Burbank or whatever. Like, you know, the people, everybody lived where they work. Um, but that Chicago, the voiceover industry is so linked to hardworking people in advertising and that it wasn't fun necessarily like animation. It was, you know, we're selling products and we're working hard and the clients are in the room. The people from craft might show up in their suits and sit in the background and listen. I mean, that doesn't really happen anymore as much, but, um, so maybe that's part of it, that it was more of, you know, linked to the business side of it rather than the entertainment side of it. And then when you get into entertainment, then you're talking about like, you're getting into celebrities and people who are, you know, get a certain kind of treatment and like that, that does you know, that didn't really happen in Chicago. And I don't know, do you think you can link that to the improv community in Chicago? Like it started off with the same kind of like super brainy university of Chicago people who are like inventing something new. And like, there's, cause I know like the, the, the vibe over at IO in Chicago is that it's like, it's, it's this precious work. It's like going to Lee Strasberg in, in New York. Like it's, it's your, it's, there's a Bible and there's work and there's everyone's super devoted. Yeah. There definitely, the work was, you know, it was always about the work first and it was, especially at second city, it's mm-hmm. even second city's approach to improv is mm-hmm. like, you make your, you make your partner look good. It's never about you. And I think, mm-hmm. and I also think mm-hmm. that ultimately second city and it, it was, uh, the, like the University of Chicago, uh, I think it was David Shepard who said he wanted to help create a, a theater for the the proletariat, which the word proletariat already mm-hmm. uh, is pretentious and leaves out the working class. <laughs> but like it was, the Second City did become... Yeah, but everybody was pretentious in the 60s. True, true. But it, Second City is, like most of the people <laughs> that I worked with at there, everybody's family was working class and the approach was very working class. And I think that... You know, mm-hmm. and that's about like you just you get down and you do the fucking job and you don't bitch about it and that's sort of, uh, and of course people's egos right. would sometimes get in the way. But yeah, I mean, ultimately it was always mm-hmm. about work and and you were glad to have it yeah. and there was no shame in it. Yeah, I think so. When you, and maybe too is because there isn't as much money floating around in Chicago. You know, like you're not no one's land, no one's getting a development deal in Chicago. You're getting it you know, you have to leave there to get it. Like there's no big pot. There's no SNL. Like there's no big pot of gold. The the second city is the ultimate place to be. And you're not making, you know, tons of money there. It's not. So maybe that's part of it too, is that you have to be driven. You have to be so driven and you have to work with work so much to make enough money to get to, to get by. And cause I actually bumped into someone recently who was like, yeah, I don't know. I haven't booked a lot of voiceovers lately. And he goes, but I mean, you know, some of the stuff I'm not going to do, they send me some things with like one line of a guy and a crowd, like fuck them. I'm not going to audition. They just cast me. Why would I audition for that? And, and that is one way to look at it. 
But the other way to look at it is I'm just going to do everything I can do. I'm going to gig as much as I can and make as much money as I can because I have to support my family. Um, and you don't and, know when it's going to stop. And, and that's what happens in Chicago. Exactly. Exactly. You never know when there's going to be a pandemic and you won't be able to work anymore. <laughs> I mean, I grew up in a... a, a I mean, now that sounds far-fetched. No, yeah, that's... What do you read? As, as we record this, and in, in December 2019, this sounds... <laughs> that's really far-fetched. I'm sorry I said that. <laughs> what are you reading, Vonnegut or Stephen King? What does it get back to reality? <laughs> I know. I don't know. I'm crazy, Matt. I don't know why I said that. Yeah, actually, I was wondering. I had this thought, and it wasn't even related to preparing for this. But I was like, is this actually going to help your kind of work? Because wait a minute, are we? Is this the podcast? Wait, are we doing? Is this the podcast right now? Yeah, we time jumped to the present, future. I thought you were going to tell me when we were going to do the podcast. I thought we were just getting to know each other. Oh, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint, but this has been. The... <laughs> God damn it! When you well, I did. Do you? Well, th- let me let me let me switch over to my voiceover voice. <laughs> From now on, I'm going to. Um, actually, I was at an audition once in New York, and um, we were all waiting around to like do uh, some cheese commercial or something or whatever. And this woman was like, um, "Hi, does anyone have a pencil? Excuse, uh, like she was making conversation in the lobby like this." And I was like, "That's not your voice. You just, you're not impressing us, you know, whatever." And she was like, "Does anyone know where the bathroom keys are for the hallway?" Like <laughs> <laughs> In a voiceover character, like trying to psych us all out. I was like, I can do that voice too, so I'm not going to psych them out. Uh, I love, <laughs> I love audition waiting room uh, int- intimidation tactics, and, <laughs> or, or the overly loud bragging about all the shit you've been doing. It's like, all right. Oh, such loud bragging about just actual figures. Like, so I don't know. That's one thing. I made, uh, I made eighty thousand dollars last month or whatever. Like, people just fully saying how much money they've made. It was that was in New York. That was hardcore. In Chicago, it's different. In Chicago, everyone's like, "I'm sorry, my body. Do you need to prepare? Do you want me to?" Like, everyone is super like helpful and and you know acts like they care about everybody so much. You mean the best city in the world, Chicago? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you, did what, did you, did the business make you, because you obviously were working a ton in Chicago. Was there a reason that you came to LA or other than winter sucks and, and winter sucks? Yeah. Yeah. So our, well, no, no, no. I mean, I like winter, but um, we, um, we moved here. Well, we were, all right. So I wanted to try to do animation because I've never done it. And the commercial industry is changing a lot. And I was like, well, I could try some other categories that Chicago doesn't have. Um, and so I talked to my agent and they were like, well, yeah, you know, you got to just be here for a little while. Cause I have an agent in Chicago and then one in LA. And they were like, just, you know, come out here for like three months and just try it out. So we rented an Airbnb for three months and we came out because our kids left the house were empty nesters. So 
I'm like, great, we have this freedom. So we rented an Airbnb and I called my agents. They knew when I was coming. I planned it for like a year. And then I said, hey, can we have a quick meeting? And they were like, sure, sure. And so I get to the conference room and they all said, so what did you, what do you want? What do you want to tell us? And I said, oh, well, now that I'm here, I wanted to see what we could do. Like, what's the plan of attack? And they said, well, you're only here for three months. Like, you can't really get anything done in three months. And <laughs> well, like, well, but you told me, so, you know, I was like, all right, well, let's extend it. And so, and it is true, like to, to be so full of myself that I think I'm just going to show up in LA and in three months, just start booking work and be a huge success is just so egotistical. But that was my plan. I, you got to believe in yourself. Um, and so we were here for a few months and things started, I started getting some interest and I started booking a few things, but it wasn't like I got a series and I bought a house in the Hills. So I was like, all right, well, let's just give it some more time. And then as we started staying longer and longer, we started liking it more and more. And, um, and Robbie, my husband, um, who's a musician and he could work anywhere he wants, he travels and performs, but it was exciting to be here because he started collaborating with people here that he'd never worked with before. And so we just decided, let's just, you know, let's just die here instead of in Chicago. <laughs> so that's, that's the plan. It's interesting because a lot also of... Also, our son, our younger son goes, our younger son goes to school in Santa Cruz. So, and he plays volleyball. So we've been able to like go visit him and watch him play. And that's also... Um, an incentive. Oh yeah, that's fam. Uh, what? Because uh, yeah. a lot of people move here uh, from Chicago or New York, and they're like, "Fuck this town." And I was like, "It's not that different, really. Like, it's there's a side of it. No, that, it, it's a very working class town, which a lot of people don't realize. But it's it's the first thing, right? Is, and a lot of it. I lived in Echo Park, which I was like, "Oh, this is just Wicker Park with palm trees." <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. What? Do, uh, yeah. I was just going to ask what neighborhood you guys are in, unless that's uh, something you don't want to reveal. Oh, so we. Uh, oh no, I don't get. We ended well. Originally, we found that Airbnb. I, I, nobody would call me back. Blah 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 blah. And I just finally got this place in Silver Lake, which. At first, I was like, oh, my God, it's so fun to be around all these young, cool hipsters. And then after three months, we're like, come on, that's enough. Let's get out of here. <laughs> and then we... Um, we um, we found a place in Atwater Village, which is like Skokie. I love it. I don't know. It's I love it. We're not. It feels like we're not really in the city, even though we are technically, and it's easy to get places. Uh, the Tam O'Shantern has that bar with the carving station. Have you been? <laughs> Yes, we went there. We went there um, on Christmas. Eve. Was it Christmas? It was Christmas Eve. Eve. Our friend. Um, do you know Dino Stamatopoulos? Yeah, I've, I'm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Of, yeah, of course I do. <laughs> you know Dino. So okay, Dino took us there um, on Christmas Eve, Eve, and we had a super fun meal there. It is right. It's close to our our place. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of like really fun old school places around here. Like it's not quite because if you. If, drag about water village on glendale there's you know our, well our friend kk has a store there that sells gorgeous beautiful shoes that she has made in italy that are virus free um but they're expensive you know like she it's a bunch of expensive stuff like fancy mid-century modern furniture stores and stuff and so our street it's like we got tam shanter we got the best buy um we got 
a few liquor stores. It's great. Yeah. I took a friend into the Tam O'Shanter once, and he's like, oh, I don't want to hang out here. This is a bunch of old people. I was like, yeah, this is fucking... Yeah. <laughs> That's what I want. It's great. Yes. A gentle atmosphere. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I don't have to compete with the fucking jukebox to get a conversation in. That's exactly <laughs> what I want. Um, Columbo's, yeah, Columbo's in, you probably would dig Columbo's in Eagle Rock, which is on Colorado. That's also another, Ooh. and sometimes there's like, uh, piano, uh, you know, piano guys singing really shitty songs and telling bad Great. jokes, but it's also like a, it's so old. Oh, that sounds excellent. Oh, it's like you walk in there and it's like, you just stepped into Milwaukee or something. You're like, what the fuck happened to LA? Like it's, it's the best for happy hour. And oh, wow. It, but also on Monday nights, they have like an open music night, but I guess it's like a lot of like studio musicians. And it's like a, like a lot of really mm-hmm. great jazz dudes or like studio. I, I think some wow. of Beck's dudes show up there and I've heard, I've always missed it, but I've heard it's like one of the best music nights in LA and it's just sort of a free for all. Wow, that sounds excellent. We're um, when we can leave our house, we're going to go there. I, we should just go. Let's just, you know, I think it's a hoax. <laughs> <laughs> if, it's so funny because I, my aunt. Oh God! What, oh you know, no! What you go ahead. Say? Oh, I was just going to say my I have my I have an aunt who's um, like a Trump supporter, and um, she. For up until the past like two weeks or three weeks, she was coughing. She was convinced she was sick and that she had coronavirus, but it was a hoax. It's not, there's nothing wrong. And then, and then now I talked to her like a month later and she was like, horrible New Yorkers, they need to quarantine. And like, she's just like Trump, like she's followed Trump into this idea that now we need to quarantine and New York is the problem. And like, it's just incredible that she has gone full from, from hoax to, um, I put in a call to my doctor. Like she's just run the, the whole range. And, uh, it's so upsetting. It's cause I always meet people and they're like, I don't even know any Trump voters. I'm like, yeah, I wish I didn't, but I do. Yeah. I've got a few in my family and, uh, one I don't talk to anymore. Yeah. Um, real quick, just to wind this mm. off, where can uh, you have a web- oh, yeah. if, website? Where can people find uh, all all things all things Donna? So yeah, so my website is just it's my name Donna J Folks J A Y um, because my dad was so disappointed that I was going to change my name when I got married um, to Folks, and so I was like, well, I'll use our. I'll use Jay, which is the name that we would use if we were going to order pizza or whatever, because our name was Jerusak and it was really hard to spell. Um, so I was like, I'll be Donna J. And so that's me, Donna J, folks. And so then, yeah, my website, it has like all, all my whatever, all my bragging and like all my demos and some videos I've narrated for like, oh, that's like, I did some Jimmy Kimmel stuff and some Ellen Show stuff and um, like things that, in LA that I couldn't do in Chicago. So it's, that's been really fun. That's great. Yeah. I watched uh, a lot of those. Yeah. They're very fun. Um, thank you very much for taking out the time to do this. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of conversations with Matt Dwyer. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate 
and review it on iTunes and subscribe to the show. Also, go to themattdwyer.com and check out all things Matt Dwyer. My Patreon, merchandise, you name it, it's there. And thank you for supporting podcasting. I hope you come back and listen again. Thank you very much.